in my heart, I always write it down. And so there's a, sometimes I don't understand what that is, but coming back later, it always was from heaven. But my spirit wasn't awakened to hear it at that moment. I embraced it when I heard it. But this morning, I was washed with it. And it was so good. And he's talking a little bit about Jacob. And for most of you know about Jacob. Jacob had the birthright. And he had the inheritance and the blessing. But he struggled. He struggled when he left his father's house. He struggled with a father-in-law. He struggled and he wrestled with God. And, and he contended in the last part for the blessing of God with an angel. So I give that as a prerequisite for what I'm going to read. And I just want you to, to hear this with your spirit. I think you'll be greatly encouraged. It says, you're like Jacob who struggled and felt cheated. Now my wind is coming and that creative idea will multiply. That path. But path back will form. I will allow you to see things that you asked me to see. I will give you signs that things you prayed for are awakening. And I will be like spring in the midst of summer. Religious forces contended with you. And you lost many battles in your contending. Because you are still here. I am sending an awakening wind that will contend. I put a deep call within you when I formed you in the womb. And you said, Lord... What was my purpose? You tried this path and that path and another path. Now the awakening wind that will contend is coming to blow on you again. You will say, now I see why I was positioned here. Now I see how I was captured and endured. And God says, you will see the awakening wind. It pleases me to send this wind that will awaken my love. Your heart that has been stretched and contended and separated, it pleases me now to send my wind that will awaken my love within you again. You have contended with my word and you have sought my spirit, but now I will awaken my love. Many are waiting for this awakening to come. Many are in a slumber from their hurts from the past season. In the slumber from the hurts and wounds from the enemy, you will now rise up in new strength. And you will enter into a place that you will not enter into, that you could not enter into the last season. (laughs) Amen. It says, now you will rise up and mount up. And you will come from behind and you will shout, awakening has come. Awakening has come. I want to do that. (laughs) my wind will contend and my love will come alive in you again you know whenever we hear a prophetic word we need to respond back to God so can't we do that Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that our struggles and our contending hasn't been hid from your eyes. You know where we have wrestled. You know the battles we've won and the battles that we've lost. And we thank you, Lord, for the word of your spirit that says the wind of God is going to blow and it's going to awaken again. And you're going to awaken your love and we're going to sense it again. We've cried out to go back to our first love, to that fresh passion. And, oh, God, you promised here in this word that we were going to go back there. You're going to awaken it. You're going to awaken those that are in slumber that are desiring it. Lord, we pray for an awakening in our community. We breathe this word into the atmosphere. We say God is coming. God is alive. We have contended and God has watched and he is, we are contending with God for the blessing over this land, for an open heaven, for a portal to be opened, for the blind to see, to the captives to be released, for the prisoners to be loose, for marriages to be restored, for lives to be changed, for addictions to vanish. Oh God, we just agree with your word today and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Yes, so be it. So be it. It's time to awaken hope. We start tonight. Hey, I'm going to do some things a little different here.
like that. Uh, this is to make sure that you make you go, oh, my computer's still running. Um, all of you who were trained for the altar workers for the tent meetings this week, would you stand? And uh, what happens in the cell? Jesus visits the cells. We want to see signs, miracles, wonders, and the good uh, message and the word of God in the cells, right? And uh, I want to bring on a couple cells this morning. One is Lucy Torres. Where's Lucy? Oh, I saw her. Right there. <laughs> and where's, where's, all the, where's all her cell group here? The Reedies, the Dennises especially. And, uh, hey, and Lawrence, you need to stand up in the corner for me, bro. Back there in the corner. I, I just want to brag on these guys. I had a memorial service yesterday morning. Jackie Temple. Some of you know Jackie. Her brother was killed, 45 years old. And... Uh, we had this memorial service here at the church yesterday morning, but they wanted, the family wanted to do this big barbecue reception afterwards, which was a big deal. And you left town. Yes. And your cell group jumped right up and took this thing on and ministered to this family. I mean, they cooked enough food for an army, and only a troop showed up, a, a platoon, I mean, you know. Uh, they were ready to feed 80 to 100 people. They had about 50, I think, that, that came and stayed and I just want to commend you. This is, a, this is community in the cell life. This is people working together to bless others, looking outside yourselves. And you guys worked hard. And Lawrence came to the rescue with these guys and flipped a few burgers. And I ate a couple of the hot dogs. Oh, I wasn't supposed to tell. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Jim, I just ratted myself off right there. And uh, so we want to thank you for not just serving and flipping burgers, but for being a family in Jesus. And Lucy, congratulations for a great group. Hallelujah. Now, did, uh, where's that Hannah girl? There she is. Come on, Hannah. Where's your cell group? Where's your cell? I know you got a couple of them here. Who's in Hannah's cell group? Well, the two of them will stand and represent here. Good. Yeah. Anybody else want to stand up? I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, the patents are not here this morning, but what happened for Celeste this week? Celeste was baptized on Monday. On Monday night. Yeah. Oh, man. We have some pictures up here, but again, I, as you go ahead and flip through them. Uh, thanks to the Stangles for providing their uh, facilities there. You know, we've come kind of out of the woods as the church. You know, we don't have the formal baptism under the floor or the thing in the wall or, you know, it comes, whatever it is. You know, when Christian Center started, we moved to this building all those years ago. We had a horse trough out on the patio and we'd fill it up. And Yeah, a lot of us were in that horse trough. And uh, it thing held like a bazillion gallons of water and we could never get it warm. So then we had a, a jacuzzi out here. But uh, I like this going to the home. I like Church of the House. And uh, so we're using your hot tubs now. That's really great because we don't have to, you know, chlorine them. You have to do all that. You have to keep them warm for us. <laughs> and it's a lot better. We had a baptism here in the snow recently, huh? Didn't we? Who got baptized in the snow? Oh, Kayla. Kayla, right there. We threatened her with the lake. We her with the lake and she, she went for the, this same hot tub surrounded by ice and snow. It's great. We got some pictures of icicles hanging off the thing, but Celeste did not want to get baptized in front of the whole world. She wanted her cell group there. I think this is telling us something about community is happening again and living together. Hannah, thank you. Ladies, thank you. Are you tired of praying? Good, good, good. Because now I want everybody that's on that worship team tonight to stand up. You guys were up here earlier. I could have got you when you're all one group. And uh, we're going to pray for these guys now. These guys are the lead-off hitters for the tent meetings this week. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I apologize. You saw the tents that got put up this week across from Riffenberg and the Snowplay Hill. Uh, Evangelist Chris Clock, and I think this is all in the bulletin for you, is here from Texas. He's going to be preaching every night, all week long. Um, evangelistic and revival type meetings, uh, good old tent meetings. Amen. Hey, we have a sawdust floor out there or straw or something? There'll be mud and dirt. We have mud, I think. Um, just preaching and ministering to the community. And, and six churches are involved, which, see, that's 
that's the bed of revival. It's working together. That's a, that's a seed bed for what God wants to do. Working together. Now, you guys know I don't like any of the other churches. <laughs> so we love them. Amen? We love each other. Uh, I chair the Ministerial Association. It was great to be together with them again this week and praying together and worshiping God together. And uh, so we've got this seed bed for revival. And a lot of, where's all the prayer people? Would you stand up too? You've been praying for this. Come on. It doesn't matter if you've been in a prayer meeting or not. You've been praying. And uh, you've been standing and see, these are the silent troops. They're silent before us, but they are not silent before God. He's been hearing from them regularly. And uh, we commend you today. And we want to just right from where you're sitting, stretch your hand out towards somebody and just begin to pray. I like to say this, pray your best prayer. Okay, don't give them a half-baked one. Pray your best prayer that God will continue to keep the prayer warriors in the trenches this week and give them grace before His throne. And that His hand will be upon us tonight as we do the lead-off hitting with the worship team on the platform. That we would help set an example. Father, would you help us tonight? Lord, we're asking for your Holy Spirit outpouring upon each of these persons. And upon all of us as a congregation, Lord, that you've given us this responsibility to lead off for a week of meetings. Lord, we want to do a good job. We want to look good. We want to do good. But Lord, we want to set an atmosphere for you to come and invade our community. Lord, so lay your hand and your spirit upon each one of these uh, worship participants tonight, these players on the instruments. Give them skill and bless them with music coordination. God, give them everything they need supernaturally flow through them. God, I pray for joy in the battle for them. I pray, God, that you'll give them great joy as they lead into battle tonight and that they will give victory in your name by calling out music and worship. And as we did this morning, declaring the glory of your name and that we will penetrate principalities and powers. We will pull down strongholds that have been mounted against the kingdom of God. And that through their efforts, Lord, you will bless and make us proceed. Lord, thank you for surrounding your prayer warriors. Not only these here this morning, but those they represent throughout our community who are gathered together to pray. Lord, and who have stood in your, in your throne room day and night and asked and pleaded with you for this awakening to come. Lord, answer them in Jesus' name. Do it for your honor. Do it for your glory. And bless them now, Lord. Put your surrounding on them. Put the angel of the Lord to encamp round about them this week that no, no effort of the enemy against them would be effective. Lord, nothing will be disturbed in their home. Nothing will be disturbed in their possessions. Nothing will be disturbed in their bodies. Lord, we declare life and health, abundant life over them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Give God the glory. Yes. Hallelujah. That must be a computer. Amen. We're training our computer. Say amen. So leaders, be ready. You got to take the harvest home. Now we're not uh, we're not going to do any sheep rustling, okay? Uh, you know it's been very clear. Pastor Floyd has uh, been training the altar workers. It's very clear that each of us has a responsibility when we at that altar to fill out the paperwork that's necessary. I like what Pastor Bill Weaver said. The uh, it's kind of like in real estate, which he's very familiar with, is that when the sale is done, the only thing left to do is the paperwork. And so he says the altar workers are just doing the paperwork because of the evangelists. I'm asking God, I said, Lord, help us to cover this these events with so much prayer that the evangelist Chris Clock could stand up and read the menu from Cheesecake Factory and people will get saved. Now we know he's going to read the Word of God. You know what I'm saying? But that there will be uh, such an anointing that he could just stand up and read a few scriptures and people will run to Jesus. Yes. That's what we need. Yes. We need to win this battle in the spirit first and then reap the harvest in the very present. And we're going to fill out cards and do the paperwork. Who did you come with? Who's your friend? What church have you been at recently? Where do you want to connect? And we're going to do all our best as churches together to connect them because I like the little saying, everything works better when it's plugged in. And we need to help these new believers get plugged in right away and come to discipleship 
any of them that come to us, for whatever reason they come to us, God grants them to us, we need to plug them right into yourselves. And this is easy assimilation. You know, God gives us 15 new people, we put them in 15 cells, not a problem. Every family of cells can embrace one or two people or a new family, and we begin to harvest and disciple the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. So be ready. Be praying. Have your heart open. Uh, be, be ready to get a call from us. If you don't know them personally, we'll get them introduced to you. And you can take them home and love on them and welcome them into the family this week. That will be all right? Yes. I need, still, I found this out, I need six ushers for tonight. You're going to help collect the offering. You need to come looking good, looking better than everybody else, you know, looking sharp like me. <laughs> Just kidding. You need to look good. I mean, you need to, you know, cover the whole body, that kind of thing. And uh, nothing to detract from Jesus' glory, right? But if you could help me tonight receive the offering, sort of point people, know where the bathrooms are, look for any issues that need help, um, I could use your help. I didn't know we were going to do our own ushering, so... Uh, if you would come and see me afterwards, and uh, or unless you're going to start raising your hands, I'll start writing down names. Okay, I'll do that. Great. It's not going to be a tough job. It's just going to be like paint buckets or something, and up and down the aisle. And, uh, What? Not wheelbarrows? Okay. The offerings will be going to the, the the evangelist, by the way, to bless him. If you'd like to help with uh, offsetting any early costs, I think we have about $2,500 in costs, tents and all the stuff had to happen. Who would I miss? Who was waving at me? Pat? And you? Wow, I got 18 ushers. This is great. Hallelujah. Okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Good, thanks. And we'll just... Uh, uh, we'll be there. There's a prayer meeting every night at 5.30 before the services start at 6.30. So if you guys can get there sometime between 5.30 and 6.30 time, we'll just go over what simple instructions we need to do together. We'll gather up and find our stuff and, you know, we'll figure out where the bathrooms are so we know how to point to them and things like that. Okay? And please, and this is uh, something we've told all the churches, come representing Jesus. Um, Come looking like you belong there. You know, we we'll probably have a little badge for you or something. And, and uh, But look your best. You don't have to wear a suit. You know, Big Bear. Did you ever hear that story about uh, when uh, they were doing a fundraiser, some group, I forget who it was, maybe the chamber or somebody, and they, they had a, a pianist come that was going to do the thing at the convention center. And so they thought, well, what theme should we use to advertise? They decided to make it black and white for the keys on the piano. And so they put it all out there, black and white, black and white. They couldn't sell a ticket. They thought, man, we got the convention center. Nobody's getting this thing. What's the problem? Everybody was reading black and white, thought it was formal. And Big Bear? You're going to get a bunch of people put tuxing up for that? Nobody was coming. So they sent out the second wave of advertising that black and white simply was the theme and it meant your white t-shirt and your best black Levi's. And they sold out. And you gotta know, you gotta know your community. And then some, so I'm not asking you to wear tucks up for the, to usher, you know. If we had jackets you could wear, if we had shirts we'd use them, but I'm just saying don't detract from Jesus. We want people looking to Jesus, not at us. So we want to make sure we don't give them something to stare at. Say, so who's that goofy person taking the money? You know, scare them. Thank you for that response. It was good. Training them early. The rest of it is in the bulletin. You know how to read? Okay, good. I'm sure you could. (laughs) Are we recording? The issue is, though, that this is being recorded, so I have to get you into something here. um, Hmm? Fuck the just chest. (laughs) Talk into my pen. (laughs) 
Sorry. Sorry, listeners. If Coming tonight, if we all have the attitude that we're hosting our community, and, and if somebody needs our chair, and somebody somebody needs our help, we're just there. So whether you have a badge on or you don't have a badge on, if we come with that kind of a heart, um, a gracious heart, we can embrace this community to Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's good. She said what I tried to say in 30 seconds. Well, I tell you, girls are sure good with words. <laughs> Do I what? Snacks. Did you end up with all that food? Oh. Okay, good. You know, um, you know, our nation's in trouble, isn't it? Here I'm smiling and I'm thinking our nation's in trouble. But God didn't get off of the throne. Uh, and this isn't a political message. or uh, Actually, it, it, it's a message that should stir us to hope and focus. And that, but it has dawned on me that the media seems to have, it's just relentless in how it depicts us as a, as a nation in trouble. Uh, it, the, if you're listening to the media and reading the media, and even Christian media will get in, in the flow here. And they continue to talk about us as a nation whose fabric is unraveling. It seems to me that they, they want us to believe that we have so many troubles all of the time that we really don't have any hope. I just want to go on record that this is dangerous for Christians to accept without putting it through the filter of the Scriptures and looking at it from even a position of history. God has never abandoned His people. God has never left His authority to anyone else. You know, He doesn't share His glory, but He grants His authority to the church, to the body of Christ, not to the world. So when the world is telling us how things are, we should be filtering it through how God sees it. it am I making sense? And, and or no, I know our Lord could say it in 30 seconds, but it's going to take me 30 minutes. The, the media wants us somehow to believe the worst about our national pride, about our national worth. The amazing thing to me is it's their job description, which I believe was written in hell. Okay? I think a lot of the media job description comes from Satan. And on the job description, it must say, lean as far as you can to the left and begin shouting obscenities and cursing at the nation that protects, protects your right to free speech. I mean, doesn't that rub you? And all the while they're leaning as far as they can to the left, and I'm talking about politically and ideologically, that as they're leaning over there promoting all this weirdness and yelling at our fabric, trying to unravel it, it's, it's almost suicidal, really. Yeah. Doesn't it? And that they're actually attacking the very values that sustain us as a people. Yeah. They're, they're attacking and cursing against those foundational ideals that come from Scripture on which the nation was founded. I believe that we were founded a Christian nation. I think it's easily reported from history. Now, we're a long ways from there now, but it's because we have the wrong people talking louder. Don't believe it. It's a choice. Did you know faith is choosing? Faith is choosing. I choose to believe this. Did you know fear is faith going the wrong direction? When you're afraid, you're believing for the wrong thing. When you're afraid this is going to happen, your faith is being put in the wrong direction. Faith is choosing. And when we 
have this constantly. The Bible says about itself that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is our foundation. This is our strength. This is our light and our salvation in Jesus Christ. Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light, an illumination to my entire life, a light unto my path. Not the media, not the storytelling that's going on outside of the word of God. We have to take what we're getting and filter it through the scriptures and come up with a great biblical understanding of what's going on. Let me share with you what I saw during the worship this morning. And this is totally extra biblical, but I believe it's prophetic. And it would have been real easy in the worship service to just begin yelling and prophesying, kind of old prophetic style, you know, thus says the Lord. But I felt I needed to sit on it and let it begin to germinate in my spirit. I don't know if it's done, but let me show you the little bit that I saw. I saw a field. And the field was, was not pristine. It was, had some weeds growing in it. It looked like it was ready for some kind of work to be done in it, to plant it to be ready to become a productive, fruitful field. Now, I know that the Bible says the field is the world. So I'm not too far out of the Bible yet. Okay? And into this field came the devil. I mean, it was like Satan came down with this huge plow blade and just began to drop in and it split the earth open. And I thought, oh, good, somebody's going to till the soil. But then I realized it wasn't God that had dropped the tiller into the soil. It was the enemy. And he was beginning to just wreak havoc through this field. And I thought, what a disaster this is becoming. The dirt was flying and there were V formations coming out of the back of this plow device. But it was random, random, and it wasn't, you know, like you'd want to see a good field plowed. And I realized that the what the Lord was showing me is that the enemy had come into the field, and I'm going to personalize it to our community, that he has come into our field and is just plowing in any direction he wants to create havoc. And I could stop and begin to list out a number of things. From, uh, well, I won't. The list, it would just take too long. You could offer them to me. But you've seen the plowing of the enemy. You've seen the wreaking of havoc around us in homes, in families, in children, in, in, in strange and untimely deaths. Uh-huh. I mean, the memorial service we had for our friend Mitch Rogers, he was run over by a train. Now, you know, everybody would agree it's kind of hard to not see a train coming. He wasn't in a vehicle. It was in his own body. He was sitting on the train tracks. And we lost another good man. That's untimely and that's odd. That's unusual. Uh, so I, you know, I don't want to get too specific on any one thing because we focus there. I'm just saying you know the enemy is at work. So I'm, I'm thinking we're in trouble, and we're, but we're at war. We're in a fight. And the enemy wants our community bad. And, but he has, no, he has no logic in mind. It's just random. Uh, it's John 10.10. 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We've talked about this. He's, he's random. He'll, he'll affect an infant on, in one moment and then go to a 90-year-old on the next. He has no, it's just a matter of obscure and odd killing, stealing, and destroying. And I'm seeing this plow hit the field and it's starting to go random. And I'm saying... My heart begins to cry out, God, God. Now, in my desperation of evaluating what I'm seeing, when I go, God, God, there's almost a piece of me that says, I think somehow God's not in control. That's my, oh my God, where are you? Like, you don't know this is happening. Let me announce it to you. And, and in my simple-mindedness, the Lord comes in right behind and he speaks to my heart. He says, wherever the enemy has plowed, I am going to plant. What he has meant for evil, I will turn for good. Where he has uprooted and destroyed and, and overturned, I will begin to plant seeds 
that will bring righteousness, truth, and joy. And I saw the field become in alignment. And I felt the promise of God coming to restore marriages, to heal bodies, to give hope, and to bring life. And it's, you know, Genesis, right? Joseph and the boys. Don't kill us. No, no, guys. It's not a problem. Let me tell you what God did. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. He's raised me up to be second in command over all of Egypt to save our people. And what the enemy has meant for evil in this community, if we will lock on, I don't think it's up to us entirely, but I think we have a role to play. I think we have to come alongside of what God is doing, embrace what He is saying, respond to even prophetic direction that is in alignment with the Word of God, and say, God, I'm going to begin to agree and pray. Wherever I see havoc, wherever I see destruction, wherever I see the plowing of the enemy, the plowing of the enemy is like a train wreck in itself. You know, it just comes in and there's no rhyme or reason. It's just destruction. Anytime you see destruction, weirdness, chaos, you go, that's not God. God brings order and life and peace. So every place we see it, we say, God, I'm in agreement with you. In this place now, I want to declare the glory of God. I want to bring your presence. I want to pray over this moment. I've heard of a family that's in distress. Lord, I want to agree with your word that where the enemy has plowed up and tried to bring destruction, that you will plant seeds of hope, that you will plant a provision. God, that you'll bring healing, that you'll restore the marriage, that you'll restore the family, that you'll help the children, that you'll bless, bless. It's my job. It's your job. You're the salt. You're the light. You're the hope of the world. Not me. Not the leaders. Not the pastors. Not the churches. It's the body of Christ that's going to go into cell groups and they're going to serve people and they're going to find people getting saved and baptized and we're going to find people uh, finding community among themselves and with you there getting a grip on life and understanding that God's not out of control. I get frustrated with what the media pumps down to us all the time. I don't even listen to it most of the time. I just thought, you know, I don't need it. I need so much of this that I don't have time to listen to that. But I do try and stay in touch. And I'm, you know, linked to some of those, like the AFA and groups like that that throw that stuff in my inbox all the time uh, to keep me abreast of what's happening from their view, and I appreciate them. But I hardly read them. Because it just frustrates me. Now, I have a definition for frustration. If you haven't used it, you've talked to people, they say, I feel frustrated. What they're saying, parentheses, is I'm out of control. If you're frustrated, you're out of control. You can't control the situation. That's what frustrates you. So whenever you hear somebody say, I'm so frustrated, stop, back up, restate. I am so out of control in this situation. Not meaning that I'm out of control. I can't control it. It's getting away from me. That's the frustration you feel. When I look at this media stuff, I go, man, I am so frustrated. Why? Because I'm not in control. I can't, I can't change what they're saying. I can't stop them from doing what they're doing. Then I get infuriated. And infuriation says this, be angry and sin not. Be angry. Let it motivate you, but don't let it make you sin. The battle then becomes more focused for me. I realize I'm not fighting flesh and blood. Those people who are saying those things, those people who are writing those things, whatever they are, that are tearing down the fabric of a nation, are motivated by a principality and a power. They're, they're like puppets on strings. And the enemy is manipulating. Now, I take my uh, frustration and my infuriation and I put them together and say, now I'm back in control. And I've got a focus for my be angry and sin not. Because I know in the battle with principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places, I have the full armor of God. I have all the authority that Jesus gives us. I am part of the body of Christ. I do have authority to change things in the spirit realm. And my praying makes a difference. Hey, would you say that? 
My praying makes a difference. I don't even have to go head to head with the enemy who dropped his plow in my field. I just have to go to the Father of Lights. Come into the throne room and say, God, I'm on your team. Where do you want the seeds? I'm right with you. God, I'm, I'm on this one. I'm, I'm signing up for duty. Where can I serve? Where can I plant? Where do the seeds need to go? When I see destruction, how do I move in? How do I pray? How do I intercede? In your bulletin it says, Ted Rose Jr. is going to be with us in a couple of weeks. Are you going to like Ted? He's just a big, round, lovable guy. And he's, I mean, he's big and round, and he likes to eat. And, uh, but he's, you know, he's like a Pillsbury Doughboy. But he's tight. I mean, this guy is the California, he's a lot of things, but he's the California State Coordinator for the National Day of Prayer, among other things. Worldwide Prayer, his uh, address is in there, you want to look him up online. But he's a fun guy. But he's got these real short sentences he tells me. Pastor Jeff, he said, have you ever thought about one of your best series, your messages that you've preached that have really, that you think have helped people? Can you remember some of those over the years? I said, yeah, I, I think there's at least a couple in there. And he says, you know what? I was reading the book of Revelation and there are these golden bowls. And they're full of stuff. But they're not full of your great sermons. Gee, Ted, and I love you too. He said, Pastor Jeff, there's, there's no sermons in those golden vials. In Revelation chapter 8, they're full of the prayers of the saints. And there's silence in heaven for a half an hour as the angel comes with the golden vials and fills it with incense and mixes it with the prayers of the saints. And in this silence, it all comes up before God as a sweet aroma. He says, of all the messages we preach in America, none of them are in the vials. God is looking for our prayers. Ted loves me so much. You really are going to like Ted. He is just so solid. He is so down to earth. So, let's not be ignorant of the enemy's devices. Let me go on record, and some of you may not, this may be kind of new, but I'm, I'm talking all around the tent meetings. This is a big event for us, for our community. Uh, <clears throat> for the church, it's a big event. It's a rallying point. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, being together with others and different worship teams every night, doing their church worship team. Especially I want you to come Friday night because everything's in Spanish. <laughs> but there is an enemy and he does have a plow and he's dropping it in our field. So let's not be, 2 Corinthians 2, 11 says, we're not ignorant of the enemy's devices. What might we expect? If we were good soldiers, what would we anticipate this week? Ooh, a little warfare. Maybe a little household disagreement. Stirring between husband and wife. Maybe the kids are going to get a little out of hand somewhere. Huh? Hey, here's a sentence. Pray it on them. Don't lay it on them. Pray it on them. Don't lay it on them. Be quick to pray. Quick to hear. Slow to speak. Contain yourself, soldiers. Line up. Stand upright. Don't let the enemy get in and put a division in your home, in your friendships. If something you had planned goes wrong, say, oh, well, praise the Lord. He is not out of control. I'm out of control. I'm frustrated. I'm infuriated. I'm having problems. But God, I pray you wrap it all up and help me understand where spiritual warfare is. Because if it's spiritual warfare, it doesn't matter how tall, short, big, round, skinny, whatever you are. It's not about your might. It's not about your strength. It's about His. It's not by might, it's not by power, Zechariah says, but it's by my spirit. We're entering a spiritual week. 
a spiritual battle week. And our warfare is not just for ourselves. We have got to surrender ourselves now and lay ourselves down for the good of others. We've got to fight for them who cannot fight for themselves. We must get in the battle and in the fray to defend the freedom in Christ that people have not yet experienced because they don't know where to look. And they haven't seen it yet. Are, are you with me? I, I just feel you are and I'm not you know, just swinging for the fence here. I'm going to show you a video to close today. Uh, the booth one. The, who cares? Uh, just to remind us, a couple of weeks ago, and there's still one uh, picture out in the hallway you could take a look at, and there's a few brochures out there. Who cares? Remember that? We read it. And, uh, a gentleman, I, I write uh, blog posts for Joel Comiskey Group once a week, and a, a little while back I was blogging on there, and a guy... I mentioned who cares in our service and what we did. And he wrote to me and said, that message transformed my life. Pastor Jeff, you mentioned who cares. That story changed my life. He said, so I made a video of it. Um, And he said, you might be interested in it. I said, are you kidding? I am way interested in it. And so we got it offline last night and uh, have it for you this morning. But remember the, the sentence that came out of that, that General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said this, All who are not on the rock are in the sea. It is that simple. All who are not on the rock, Jesus Christ, are lost in the sea. There's nothing in between. There's no marginal hope somewhere between. If they're not on the rock, they are in the sea. In Acts chapter 4, and this is, I'll read this, verse 12, 13 and 14, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's the name of Jesus. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, you can read the context of this moment when they were arrested and had to defend their faith. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. (laughs) And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Remember this? Walking up to the gate, beautiful. Man's begging. They say, silver and gold we don't have, but what we have we'll give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And I like that old song. He went walking and leaping and praising God right into the temple. These guys get arrested for it, beaten up and all that stuff. Bring them out, put them on trial. You can't preach in the name of Jesus. And they say, are you kidding There is no other name. If you're not on the rock, you're in the sea. If you're not saved, you're lost. John wrote it this way. He that has the Son has life. He that does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's just that simple. And our battle this week is on behalf of those who don't have life. We are those that you're going to see here on the dock And we have the means to reach out. We've got the ropes. We've got the lifeboats. We've got the rings to throw. We can dive into the water. And we can present the love of God to people. And we're going to do it this week. I know that Pat McGeehan would not want me leaning on him. But I caught his eye. And he's already, you know, saying, don't do it, Pastor Jeff. But this guy has been the go-to guy and the man-to-make-it-happen guy. And he's been up to his ear. I know God's using him. But he's taking time off work. And he's put himself on the line. I hope it hasn't created too much of plowing in your home. <laughs> Good. You should bring, it should be. Amen. Good. So thank you, Pat, for putting it on the line for us. Gary, I know all these guys. Hey, where's all the guys that went out and set up the tents? Oh, man, you guys. Those guys. Man, they were out there. 
Four guys, uh, four guys on a two-man post hole digger wrestling rocks bigger than you want to look at and, and battling out all day. Let me, let's let Ed close the service for us with this video. We'll just turn off the lights if we could. Uh, I guess I can do that from up here. Let me get this right. There we go. Thank you. I had a vision. I saw a dark and stormy ocean. In that ocean, I thought I saw multitudes of poor human beings plunging and floating and shouting and shrieking, cursing and struggling and drowning. And out of this dark, angry ocean, I saw a mighty rock that rose up with its summit towering high above the stormy seas. And all round the base of the rock, I saw a vast platform. And on this platform, I saw with delight a number of the poor wretches continually climbing out of the angry ocean. And I saw that some of those who were already safe on the platform were fervently helping the poor creatures still in the angry waters to reach safety. But something puzzled me. Although they had all been rescued at one time or another from the ocean, nearly everyone seemed to have forgotten all about it. Anyway, the memory of its darkness and danger no longer troubled them. And what was equally strange and perplexing to me was that most of these people did not seem to have any care, that is, any agonizing care, about the poor perishing ones who were struggling and drowning right before their eyes. But then I saw something wonderful. I saw a great being from above come straight from his palace, right through the dark clouds. And he leapt right into the raging sea among the drowning people. And there I saw him toiling to rescue them until the sweat of his great anguish ran down in blood. And he was continually crying to those already rescued, to those whom he had helped with his own bleeding hands, to come and help him in the painful and laborious task of saving the lost. But the strangest thing of all was that those on the platform to whom he called were so taken up with their trades and professions and money-saving and pleasures and families and community and gatherings and religions and arguments about it that they did not respond to the cry that came to them from this wonderful being who had himself by his spirit gone down into the sea. And so the multitude went on struggling and shrieking and drowning in the darkness. And then I saw something that seemed stranger than anything that had happened before in this very strange vision. Those whom this wonderful being cried out to to come and help him in his difficult task were always praying and crying to him to come to them. Some wanted him to come and stay with them and spend his time and strength in making them happier. Others wanted him to come and take away various doubts and misgivings they had concerning the truth of some letters which he had written them. Others wanted him to come and make them feel more secure on the rock, so secure that they would be totally sure they would never slip off again. They used to meet and get as close to the rock as they could, and looking towards the mainland where they thought the great being was, they would cry out, Come to us, come and help us. But all this time, he was down among the poor drowning creatures, crying to them in a hoarse voice, Come to me, come and help me. And then I understood it all. It was plain enough. That sea was the ocean of life, the sea of real actual human existence. Those multitudes of people struggling in the stormy sea were the billions of sinners from every race, language, and nation. That great sheltering rock was Calvary, the place of the cross. And the people on it were those who had been rescued from sin and hell and who professed to be followers of Jesus Christ. That mighty being who called to them from the tempest was the Son of God, the same yesterday, today, and forever, who is still struggling to save the dying multitudes about us from this terrible doom of damnation, and whose voice can be heard above the music and machinery and noise of life, calling on the rescued to come and help him save the world.
My friends in Christ, you are rescued from the waters. You are on the rock. Jesus is in the dark sea, calling on you to come and help him. Will you go? Father, we answer the call. And we would say, yes, Lord, we will come. I know there are varying degrees to our response, Lord, but help us to arise like Isaiah and say, here am I, send me. Lord, we'll need your help. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for being our empowerment. Thank you for enduing us for service with more than we can be on our own. Put us where you can use us best. Lord, for some, I know that means just showing up, being there to sit with and to be around others who are calling out to you for salvation, for support, strength. Lord, others are going to be praying in the trenches and pray again you will cover them and help them in their intercession. We pray for Chris Clock. We'll preach the word of God. Let it be clear, strong, and bold. Let it be your word to this community, O God. Let the church hear it. Let the unsaved hear it. Let there be a response like we haven't seen in a long time. We thank you for the unity of the body of Christ. Lord, we thank you for giving us opportunity to fellowship with our other brothers and sisters in different congregations gathering together. Give us your great love one for another. And let the world understand that because of this great love one for another, you are the one who's glorified by it. Help them understand that they too could be a part of your family. We ask these things in Jesus' name today. We thank you for them. Amen. Amen. 5.30 tonight for prayer. 6.30, come looking good. John Day is waving at me. One moment. John Day.